Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. Today is uh, season one, episode two. We are interviewing Colleen Baker, and she is answering the question, why is Christianity such a killjoy? And before we even get into our episode, uh, John, tell us a little bit about Colleen and why you think she's great to answer this question. Well, Colleen is somebody that I've known for, wow, maybe 15 years now. Oh, more than that. Almost 20, probably. And Colleen is a great mixture of somebody who is really energetic, really fun, also very, very... um, thoughtful about her life and about how she wants to invest her life. And she's somebody who has quite a journey, too. I think we're going to find that out on this podcast. Uh, going Everything from uh, ministry to high school students all the way up to the fact that now, and I think we get into this a little bit in the podcast as well, she just, her and her husband happen to own the best bakery in all of the Rochester, New York area by far, and they have not paid us for this today, but we're going to give it to them anyway, the best uh, commercial that they possibly can. If you have never had Cheesy Eddie's Cheesecake, today is the day to run out and try that. What do you think? Uh, Absolutely. So if you leave with only two things from this podcast, number one, Cheesy Eddie's has the best carrot cake ever. But number two, I think Colleen brings in this episode a wonderful response to, you know, why is Christianity such a killjoy? Hearing her story, I think many of you will be able to see yourselves in that. So uh, let's get to this episode. We're really excited about that. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Harry Gibbs. I'm a member here at Browncroft and I'm joined by my fellow hosts, Peter Engler, Director of Adult Ministries here at Browncroft and John Amayo, New York State Crew Director. Today's topic is Why God Why is Christianity Such a Killjoy? Before we welcome in today's guest, let's take a moment, guys, to summarize what we mean by this question of Christianity is a killjoy. I think this is a very important question, and thanks, Harry, by the way. Um, You know, John, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because you spend a lot of time with college students. And I'll just be real honest with you. You know, I grew up in a Christian home doing, you know, if you were to see me right now, quote unquote, Christian things. And I got to graduate from college, got my first job, and I didn't feel like I fit in the church. And every once in a while, the doubt would come in my mind like why why don't i just go and go to a club like why don't i just you know why am i still going to church on sunday morning like it just seems like people outside of church are having way more fun than i am and i'm just hanging out with a bunch of boring married people now i'd fight it back and forth but I think that that was the struggle that I lived in. I don't know. What thoughts do you have on yeah, that? Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, if you're a Christian listening to this, sometimes we can get a little defensive and be like, well, no, of course Christianity isn't a killjoy. I mean, come on. Like, I'm a perfectly fun person. But um, I, I know a guy in college that, that kind of summarizes this perfectly in my mind. He told me, he said, John, uh, Jesus never laughed. And that was actually his philosophy of life. He actually believed that Jesus never laughed. And it showed. We called him Razor Joe. And he used to shave with this really dull razor. And so we'd walk into the you know community bathroom at college, and, and he would just be like gouging his face. And I think 
you know, the blood pouring down. I think somehow he thought that there was like a righteousness in like in like just being able to make sure that he didn't even have fun shaving. You know, I mean, that's that level kind of of experience. And I think there are some people like that. I mean, there are some people. Let's not go down the line too far. Let's admit that that some people live that out. But I think um, that isn't, I think it's important for us to realize that isn't what God envisions for us when we think about the Christian life. That isn't the way of Jesus as we talk about that. Um, that's actually against the way of Jesus. So, Well, and, um, you know, I just think it's funny. First of all, I come out with an authentic confession and you come out with a Gillette promo right, right there. Totally, but, yeah. Razor but, Joe, you're out there somewhere. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that we're going to find out from our guest Colleen is, um, you know, sometimes we're looking at the other side of life with unrealistic expectations. And I think that something that people miss out on Christianity, whether you are going to church every week, doing the right things, or whether you're not, is that there's actually beauty in the reality of it's not everything you hoped for and dreamed for. And so I'm hoping for that conversation today. All right, folks, this is a good baseline for us to begin our conversation. So it's now time to welcome in this episode's special guest. She's the owner of Cheesy Eddie's, a fantastic family-owned local bakery in Rochester, New York. Colleen Baker, welcome to the Why God Why podcast. Thanks. So we are bringing you in today. And, uh, you know, John has uh, been on some panels with you and you've expressed some some great transitions throughout your life. And we kind of want to start maybe... Um, back a few years, just a few. Uh, if you could start over from your 20s, what would you change? Oh, man. Okay. What would I change? Um, I think I would, if it be possible in my 20s, I would have taken a pill to allow me to spiritually grow a little faster than I did. So I became a believer in junior high and um, and it was a very clear, it wasn't sort of mamby-pamby, I was on a retreat kind of thing. It was really um, an awareness. It happened to be the time I took my first communion. I was raised in the Lutheran church. And I remember looking at the other kids kind of fooling around, and I remember listening to what was happening. And I wanted to tell them all, like, don't say this if you don't believe it. Like, this is serious. Don't take Christ's body and blood if you, you know, if it's just fooling around kind of thing. They were junior hires. Of course they were fooling around. What the heck was wrong with me? But I had a very clear um, impression that day of the Holy Spirit on my life. And maybe you'll say a little calling or whatever, but it was just an expectation that I wasn't ever going back but I was 13. So, you know, I kind of walked out through, you know, junior high, high school, college, the best I knew how to walk out my faith. And it wasn't until I got into my mid to later 20s that um, the Holy Spirit had another one of those conversations with me. And he said, basically, uh, are you going to begin to live like a Christian or are you just going to call yourself one? And I literally remember feeling like I'd been shocked. Like, you know, you accidentally put your finger in the plug and you're like, what just happened? So then I really began to grow. Man, that is so fascinating. And the question I have for you is, um, 
<clears throat> you know, how do you go from a 13 year old who is like black and white, you know, law, like I'm going to follow all the rules to just kind of a season in college and in your 20s where you're just it you're not like that. We'll just put it that way. I mean, tell me what were you feeling and what were you thinking? Cause I'm guessing some of our listeners, you know, I mean, it's, it's a struggle to kind of make that transition from rule follower and being out of your parents' house. And then it's almost like an existential crisis of faith, but tell me what you were feeling in that season. Yeah. Well, you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home per se. My mother made us go to church cause she made us get baptized, and she made us get confirmed. And other than that, we probably were headed for hell. And um, so I didn't have a traditional rules along the way. Um, and I don't know if you know this, but I did a stint in youth ministry, and rule followers don't exactly <laughs> end up <laughs> in youth ministry. We lived by it's easier to get yeah. forgiveness than permission. Yeah, hey, that's, so, yeah I've um, been there. So I didn't have that as much as I was kind of, um, I had this sort of love relationship with the Lord that um, at 13, I didn't, I just knew he was there. And then as you get swept in to the culture and to high school and to other things that are available to you for fun, um, I can honestly say there must have been some sense uh, I had boundaries. I clearly had boundaries. But um, as I got older and older, um, it just became, you know, I was a Christian and I told people I was a Christian and I was living. Therefore, I extrapolated, I was living like a Christian. <laughs> so when this uh, epiphany, if you will, occurred in my life, and I'm ever grateful for it, it it um, began to make me begin to evaluate some of the ways I was living. So I did not have that, um, I have to obey all the rules, but none of these rules are as fun as everything out there. It, it just, um, I, for some reason, I think I was really under the Lord's protection because when I think about high school and college and some of the places that I ended up at times, I was like, ooh. That could have gone sorely wrong on a number of different levels. And so um, I am blessed that I don't have this horrific testimony that um, Christ can always and will always redeem, but is always that scarring. Certainly, I have regrets. But, um, but so it was more after that sort of epiphany that I began to evaluate, how am I living and what is What's so wrong with this? And it wasn't necessarily that it was wrong. It's just I wasn't um, dialed in to Christ like I began to be after that. Hmm. That's really fascinating as you talk about that, Colleen. I'm just kind of tracking with you. And I'm wondering, like, before you had this kind of epiphany moment, like, what would you what would you say you were living for? Like, what was it that you would say, man, this is what kind of dominated my thoughts, my life during that season. Hello. I was in my 20s. It was me. <laughs> it was my career. It was my travel. It was my adventure. It was my, you know, it was it was my future. It was, you know, just what was my friends and my image and and I 
I don't think I ever conscientiously thought about it, but um, of course, it really was. I mean, it's a time in your life where you're just, you wonder what's out there and what that transition between right now and out there, whether you're going to get married or you're going to be a CEO or you're going to be a doctor or whatever, you know, whatever, or if you're never going to make sure that you don't ever follow that track that your parents did because they were never home, you know. Um, but you know it's out there and you're not sure about the transitioning into there. So I'm very, very grateful that, uh, you know, it happened when it did so that I could begin saying, okay, what do I really, what, what's occupying my thoughts and my time? And what do I, you know, I remember saying to the Lord, like, what do you want me to do differently? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not really sure. And um, it became very clear to me that although I loved the Lord and I walked in him with a faith that um, was childlike, very childlike, um, my understanding of the scriptures was also very childlike. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to join a Bible study. That's what I'm going to do. And I did. Mm. And that's when things started to change for you or not change. How did did all that? Oh. Yeah, it was a real painful time because the the last thing you ever want to say to the Lord is, okay, change me. Mm. I do remember, though, very clearly being like, oh, God, please don't make me one of those Bible thumpers. I will die if you have me <laughs> out on a street corner, you know. <laughs> I still remember being in uh, Daytona Beach on spring break, and there was this guy coming down the beach and he was dragging an eight-foot wooden cross with the little loincloth on, you know? And there's all of us, like, we're in the pool, we're drinking, we're partying, we're like, oh, what? what's that dude doing? And he was like, you know, well, Christ died for your sins, you know, you're partying, you're this, you're that. And I was like, oh, that is not how to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> but you know what? I never forgot it. Mm. I never forgot it. I think it's important for us to stay in this space in that uh, it seems as though we've all identified uh, that the your period of time in your 20s is when this question is Christian. Why is Christianity such a killjoy? It kind of needs to be either identified, but probably more importantly, needs to be answered and that you make a decision then. It's not that this question can't ever be re-answered. Um, certainly we're all out of our 20s and trying to answer the question, but uh, for our listeners in their 20s, why is it so important that they answer this question or, or at least face it? C.S. Lewis said, all too often in life, we're playing in puddles when we could have a holiday at the sea. And, you know, when I think of that question, I, I think of that quote, it's not that puddles aren't fun, you know, and I can remember being a kid. I love puddles, but if I had to choose between a puddle in my backyard or the Pacific Ocean, I'll take the Pacific Ocean every time. And so I, I think what we've done is we we've crossed some extremes. And I shared about my life, even listening to Colleen. God, don't make me a Bible thumper. You know, I don't think God wants to make us a Bible thumper. I also don't think that we can live life and find meaning outside of Him. And so. It leaves us with this question that what are we 
invited to choose by God. I don't know, John, what are some of your thoughts? Well, yeah, I, I, I totally love where you're going with that. And I, I just resonate, like the first thing that comes to my mind is this vision as Jesus describes kind of the life that he has for us and God's view of us. He tells this story and he, he actually tells three stories. He tells the story of a, a lost coin, then he goes into a lost sheep, and then he goes into a lost son. And that lost son analogy is so powerful because he paints this picture. I love how Jesus paints pictures. He paints this picture of someone who's pursued pleasure. They've pursued their own way of life, and it's really left them kind of empty. Jesus describes them as like eating the the pieces of corn that were fed to the pigs. I mean, it's the lowest of the low that you can possibly get, kind of hitting rock bottom. And then saying, well, maybe my dad will let me be a servant in his house again. And Jesus describes this, this son returning to his father and kind of with this, with this look and this expectation that his father's going to be mad. But exactly the opposite happens. God runs to him. The father runs to him and is unabashedly loving toward him. And he just throws a feast for him. It, like anything way better than anything he's ever experienced on his own he throws a feast. He kills the fatted calf. He puts a new robe on him. He says, my son is home. And um, I think in my life, the, the times that I'm tempted to view God differently, I don't have that. I don't have that image of God in my mind. I don't have the image that he really wants what's best for me and that he would greet me that same way, despite everything that I've done that he would greet me the same way and just run out to me just by turning to him. So Colleen, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to go really deep. Um, I know. So, so let's, let's pretend, you know, take one thing that you look back at when you were 23 years old, take one thing that you look back at and you cringe and really just talk us through how you feel about it now and how you feel about it then you know, so for instance, you mentioned a couple parties you went to, you know, I'm guessing that some of our listeners that what they're struggling with is, man, why, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Like it's not hurting anything. And, and it's not always, and not even, even what John said, it's not always what you're not doing, but also what you're missing out. So do you have an example that you could share with our listeners about that? Hmm. So a couple of things come to mind. But, um, you know, yeah, the recreational uh, beverages and uh, contraband that goes along with that. But, you know, it was just sort of fun. And yet when I look back on it, um, it was really deceptive fun uh, because you either did stupid things that you wished you hadn't done the next day or... You said stupid stuff or, you know, I don't know. You woke up feeling a little like I always I shouldn't say this. I didn't really resonate with the, oh, my gosh, wasn't that an awesome party? It was like I have a headache <laughs> and uh, and I'm not sure like I'm going to feel like doing anything today. Why did I do that? You know, um, and so, you know, so. But I think the thing that comes to my mind more is 
again, it wasn't like the Lord was saying, you can't do that anymore. You can't do this anymore. Because um, so my children could hear this podcast, and this will be the first time that they hear this. I don't know that they'll be surprised, but. Oh, this is about to get good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our children are going to hear this podcast too. So anyway, yeah. But I don't have to say it. So (laughs) Thanks, guys. Um, I do remember I used to smoke weed. So, uh, and it was just part of, we'd smoke weed before we went out. And, you know, I wasn't doing heroin. I wasn't doing, you know, ecstasy and all that. But I did know people that were. And, uh. And I remember once the Lord and I had this sort of encounter, um, I didn't feel like weed is evil. I didn't. I just felt like he was saying, that's not for you. I don't want you to do that. And so the first time I was like, you know, okay, Lord, I, I, I'm i on board with you. But of course, as it's going around, you're like, oh, maybe just this one. And it was very interesting. I had an experience that particular evening that um, it manifested itself in a very, I don't know if it was bad weed or what, but I could definitely feel forces of evil and good around me really wrestling and it freaked me out. And so the next time I let it pass and everybody looked at me like, what's wrong? And I said, no, no, nothing. I was not in tonight. And I got so much crap from people just because I wasn't judging them. I wasn't saying they shouldn't do it. I wasn't, I just wasn't, I wasn't not, I'm not going to go if you're going to smoke pot. I just stepped out and things heated up. It was a little challenging for me, for sure. And so, um, you know, there, there are some regrets around all of that. But for me, it was just a growth. It was just a just a growth. But, at, you know, you guys were talking before, and I think at the end of the day, as a young person, as an old person, whatever, every day we have to ask ourselves, really, who is Christ? What is it? It's not about the rules at all. And I am so, I'm so grateful that I never felt like I was eating with the pigs and I had to go crawling home. I never felt like that. More for me, I felt like my heavenly father was saying, come here, I got something better for you. Just just leave that there. It, you don't need that. You, I got something for you. And, um, and my biggest regrets are not running. Instead, I was like, but wait a minute. Wait, no, just, just let me go finish this situation or that situation. And, um, and that took a long time and it caused some pain. And it's, a, that's, when I look back, it's the regrets more of not like the horrific way I was living, but that I didn't respond. I love that quote from C.S. Lewis. You know, we are far too easily pleased making mud pies. We can't imagine the vacation at the seashore. And so now in retrospect, you know, the way that I was going was not necessarily evil, but it was definitely going to lead me not to a path of growth and life abundant life, it was going to lead me to where I actually see a lot of people still kind of stuck and wondering what this life is all about. Again, this is the Why God Why podcast. And our question today is, why is Christianity such a killjoy? And I think for us to continue to answer this question, John and Peter, we 
we need to identify how do we have fun as Christians. <laughs> so um, we can each take time to to share maybe specific stories from our life um, as we all identify, self-identify as Christians. So let's answer this question. Maybe um, transition us for our, our for our listeners. Maybe you even remember in your 20s, you know, that first moment of, all right, I am a Christian, but I'm having fun doing this. And this is why it felt good. Well, I actually think, I mean, Colleen, you've mentioned it already, Harry. That's such a great question. I want to hear about your, you know, just that moment. You talk, you talk about a moment that you just felt like Jesus was real. And, you know, for you to share that, because I'm sure some of our listeners are like, Holy Spirit speaking to me, Mr. Some might resonate, but for others it might be. And, you know, we have the joy of knowing you. And um, if there's a couple things that I know about Colleen Baker, um, you know, Colleen doesn't dance unless there's music, as they say in the Remember the Titans. So I feel like just even the paradox of you being very straightforward, but also knowing that you do have the side of, man, I experienced something really like this isn't like you're not you're you're a very organized, put together person that says I experienced this. So it's a little different than, say, someone like me talking about it. So <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'm not a very organized person. And so here's what I will say, because I tell people all the time, don't don't get me wrong. It's not like God talks to me on a regular basis. Um, but when you are dialed in, when your heart really does want to do right. And um, maybe that's following rules or maybe that's whatever. Um, it wants to have fun, too. There has to be that mix. But um, but I believe that when you really, even if you're listening to this and kind of saying like, well, I kind of want to do right. Of course, everybody wants to do right. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit of God does seek after you. And you just, uh, that dialing in is all I can say. Uh, he's not subtle. Um, it doesn't have to be a big mystery that you have to figure out. He speaks into your spirit. And when I say speaks into your spirit, it's just sort of a, it's not words. It's a, it's a pressing. And, and you know that you need to go a different direction. You know, you need to track somebody down who said something to you once that makes you go, I want to know more about that or whatever. And I would say wholeheartedly, ugh, please don't try to be good. Please don't try to do the right things. Just go find out who Jesus is. He, you know, he doesn't really need you to be good. <laughs> he really desires you to follow him. And then, you know, I used to say to my junior hires and high schoolers when I was in youth ministry, don't worry about pot. Don't worry about drinking. Don't worry about your stealing. You shouldn't do that shoplifting stuff. But, you know, it's just a thrill. But don't worry about fixing that. Come learn about Jesus. And the rest of that will kind of deal with itself. And it does. It does. Mm, so good. So good. Yeah, I mean, as you're as you're describing that, I'm just thinking about my own life. And I grew up like Peter in a Christian home and experienced a lot of the knowledge about Jesus. But it wasn't until I started, I graduated college that I really had to decide in my life, is this what I'm going to follow or not? Yeah. Like, am I going to do this? 
And I remember inexplicably, for some weird reason, I started to want to read my Bible more. And I just started to read about Jesus. So I just read about Jesus. Like every day I would just read a new thing about Jesus. And he started to captivate me because I was like, this is not the Jesus that I imagined in my mind. This is like somebody who I actually want to follow. Like as I start to actually not deal with it in the abstract, but like in the personal. Um that was a real turning point for me. And it, Jesus wasn't a killjoy. When I looked at him, I was like, this is not a ki- He's not a killjoy. He actually wants what's best for me. Oh, yeah. And did you experience that same thing? Like as you were like finding out about Jesus, that that process, like what did, mm-hmm. did he speak to you in a certain, was there a certain aspect about Jesus that you looked at and you go, wow, that's different than the Jesus that I imagined him being? So um, it became, uh, to me, about being uh, more intentional about paying attention Mm. to him. Mm -hmm. Um, It was sort of like I knew I loved him. I knew I had salvation, if you will, or or whatever that was, um, because I understood that he paid the penalty for my sin. I didn't fully grasp like what what big sin I had at 13 that he had to pay the penalty for, but um so I think for me when I had that sort of experience, it was more about uh you want to take your eyes off yourself just a little bit here. I got something to show you. And that's when it's it's like you said, I began to read the Bible. Well, where do you start and what is this? So I joined a Bible study with um, a group of uh, peers. I'm not going to lie. They were a little nerdy, um, probably like Peter or something. Like that. You wow. know what I mean? <laughs> wow. JK, JK. I am um, nerd. It's okay. But you know what? And And I kind of felt like, I'm not sure I belong. Like, you know, they played guitar and they sang and they did all these things that it was kind of fun. I'm not going to lie, but it wasn't the kind of fun I was used to having. Um, And so it was kind of a weird transitional. It began to feel like an adventure. Mm. It really did begin to feel like an adventure. And so, and as I opened up the Word of God and then, of course, as Peter has made very clear, um, I'm not exactly a shallow thinker. Um, I began to say, like, well, what about this? Well, why does it say this here and that here? And but, and um, I thank God that I wasn't satisfied to just stay with all the questions. I wanted to really understand the answers, and they are there. As you begin to invite people into your life who fold truth gently over you, um, as opposed to trying to give it to you with a fire hose. Um, yeah, I, I, I really began to experience that, you know, that all of a sudden I'm more interested. But I was doing it right along my career and keeping my friends and all that kind of stuff. And there was some conflict. Colleen, I, I'm really curious because, you know, as a, well, no, 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 no. Because I talk to a lot of people that, so we, at Browncroft, we have small groups, you know, where people get into community, they engage God's word, they pray together. And like, you are like a poster child of every reason why people don't want to get in, but you did. 
like you said, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't, you know, I don't feel comfortable enough. These people are weird. You know, what would you tell a person who say 23, 24, and they're in this room right now and they're like, well, I know I should get into a small group. I know I should take a next step, but I just don't feel like I fit. I don't feel like I know the Bible. What would you say to them? Wow. I kind of resist doing things because I should. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I'm sorry. I do. Um, I would say to them, why do you think you should? Like, um, what is it that you're after? What's what's speaking to you down that's stirring a little? Because um, if you're just thinking that you're going to join a small group and become this, it, it just is not about that. Um, I would say, what are you afraid of? Um, just do it. It's an adventure. Like, what the heck? What's the worst that could happen? You kind of go and you feel a little awkward. Um, but it could be also extremely life-changing. And just because you join a small group, sometimes the first combinations of people are, you know, not not yours. And so you end up, though, another step along the path to where he's got you. To me, the most important thing is not trying to impress God by doing the right steps, but but just trying to say to God, I'm going to trust you enough that I want to know more, you know? And even at, you know, my age, I'm still saying, I want more. I want more. Um, but back then I was saying it like, I'm not sure I want more, but why don't you tell me a little more about yourself, you know, kind of thing. Oh, that's so good, Colleen. I, I, I imagine there's people listening right now who are saying, I want more, just of life, just just mm-hmm. in life. And, and it might be they're, they want to know more about God. It might not, but they just have that ache in mm-hmm. them. And they're like, I've listened to this podcast for this long into it now, and I'm just keeping on searching. Like, what advice would you give them? What advice would you give them? They're they're just saying, I want more. Um, what would you say to a person who's experiencing that in life right now? So I'm a bit of a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus. So, <laughs> but not lightly, you yeah. know, not like uh, no peace, no God or whatever mm-hmm. those bumper stickers <laughs> yeah. say. But like, um, I mean, you're talking to a woman who really, with all, all my heart knows Christ died for my sin. I have studied all the religions. I have studied all the cults. I can tell you what their fundamental beliefs are. And they all stand up against Jesus. Uh, They fall down. They just do. There is a lot of people want to believe like all roads lead to God, but there is some really unique things about Jesus and his claims and the way he lived that is so counterintuitive to how we experience life in this realm that, um, you know, so many times through the years, uh, as things got hard or um, 
you know, because this is a walk. This isn't like a turn on, okay, now I'm going to follow Jesus. Uh, that's nice, and that's the first step, but it's it's a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But um, I just, I think that the most important thing is to keep asking questions. Mm. Uh, every day, I feel a little like Peter when I wrestle. I think to myself, where else would I go? Like, where else would I go, Lord? So I'm gonna I'm gonna dig in deeper with you, and I'm gonna bring you my the things I think are unfair or not right or whatever, and just keep following after you. Yeah. This is the Why God Why podcast. Our question today: Why is Christianity such a killjoy? I think, Colleen, a, a good place for us to allow you to wrap up some of your thoughts around this question is I think uh, John and I, uh, John and I and Peter as well would agree that we kind of see you um, and knowing your background, um, we would think that you have all sorts of fun making cheesecake all day. <laughs> oh, I don't. <laughs> uh, Actually, you know, they're known for their cheesecake, but I got to say, the best carrot cake I've yeah, ever had. The best carrot cake. It well, is. so you got to bring it that's together. That's my favorite too. Oh, okay. yeah. Carrot cake, cheesecake is. Oh just... man, we do, we do need to officially announce that here on the podcast because I mean I'm all about cheesecake, but that carrot cake. Yeah, yeah, it's that's Holy Spirit led. <laughs> it, you know what? I, I'm telling you, I still all these years later, every time I eat a bite, I wake to go like ho oh, hum, and I eat it, and I go. That is good. (laughs) (laughs) And it ain't because I make it. Well, I don't make it, but it it isn't because. In fact, it's funny that you say that because part of how I wrestle with the Lord is like, I had a vibrant ministry. What am I doing schlepping cheesecake? Like, how did I get here? And yet, uh, the truth is, I have a vibrant ministry there too. Um, got a lot of young people that work with us that uh, keep me young, and I just love our team. But it does give us a lot of opportunity to just um, be real, be real, be us, not. And uh, and hopefully they see Jesus without us having to bang them over the head with our Bibles, you know. So there is lots of room for ministry there. But you know where Harry was going before we uh, sidetracked on uh, on carrot cake. You know, as you as you look back at your life um, and you look at where you are now, you know, what are one or two specific places that you say, I wouldn't be here unless it was Jesus? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, I'm just kind of wondering, like, I don't hear you saying that you regret coming to know Jesus, but also that this life's been an adventure. So what's one to two places you're like, I wouldn't be here unless it was Jesus. Oh, I definitely wouldn't be here unless it was Jesus. Um, So it's very crucial. In fact, it happens to say this in the Bible, but um, that you're not unequally yoked. So it was very important to me to make sure that as I started my journey in my 20s, that I was along somebody who was like-hearted, not necessarily like-minded, but like-hearted. And um, and so that that required some really hard decisions on my part. 
um, to listen to Christ's leading there. And so uh, there was this crazy kid in college that uh, all the girls liked, which immediately made me not because <laughs> I'm not, I, you know, I don't chase after everybody else. But um, so, and we started hanging out together. I He ended up here in Rochester after college and we started hanging out together and it was just the strangest combination. And yet we ended up married. And so it was really embarrassing. I'd see people from college and they'd go like, oh, you know, they'd assume I married somebody else and they'd go like, you know, so how's so-and-so? And I'm like, no, no, that's been, that's been done. And they're like, oh, they look down and I go, yeah, you remember John Baker? And they go, <laughs> yeah. And I, I married him. And it was like, what? You know? <laughs> so, so that's one of those places that I just am so grateful, even though it was very hard. These things don't happen easily. But he just knew who he had for me. And I could have easily just kept going my weary way or whatever. But um, that was a, a turning point where I look back and I say, thank God, because uh, as a result of that, it's a whole different life when you are on the path with a partner who experiences God differently than you, experiences Jesus differently, whatever, but they experience Jesus and they are walking hand in hand toward wherever we're headed. I mean, I hope there's a lot ahead too. I'm looking forward to that. I'm not that old, Peter. <laughs> as you look back over your life, I'm like, well, geez. I'm looking ahead too. Well, uh, I would, you know, you know, here you asked that question. I kind of didn't answer way back, but you know, I look at, I look at two places in my life that I look back and obviously my wife, Robin is one of them. Like, and that was one of those seasons. I mean, without going into the whole story, I mean, I literally came to a retreat with my friend who's six, eight. And for those of you listening, I am not six, eight. And, you know, I'm at this retreat and I meet my wife and here I am moved in Rochester six years later. Like, and I think about that decision that it it wasn't like mystical or anything, but I just knew it was the right decision. And, you know, secondly, I, I go back and I look over my life and I'm laughing a little bit because Harry's here, but to even pursue getting a budget, you know, Christians talk about money all the time and it, you know, just one of the knocks is like, why do I have to give money to a church? But I remember making a salary and that salary was equal to the amount of school debt that I was in and I wasn't like putting money away. And so, I mean, most of the time we think Christians talk about money, like it's about giving to the church, but like there's this freedom in my money's going to where it needs to go. So I didn't want to ask you a question without answering, but I just remember my life changing radically and kind of what you said. It wasn't, it wasn't like I should do that. It was just promptings. Yeah. Like you should get on a budget. You should do Financial Peace University. You know, that'd be really good. And like I fought it. And then once I did it, I don't know, John, do you have any examples like that? No, I mean, yeah, I, th I think relationally is where it's played out in my life a lot too. Um, specifically with my wife. I remember graduating from college, having this, this season of real kind of doubt in my life of which way am I going to follow? Like I knew I had to choose one way or the other. Right. I just kind of got this real gut sense of I got to either follow Jesus or not. And there was a girl at work that was 
kind of, you know, interested in me. And I remember one day just saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm, I'm not going to do it. And shortly thereafter, uh, my wife asked me out. And uh, <laughs> to Fourth to of July for the fireworks. It was beautiful. It was great. But uh, there's a long story to all of that, too. Of but um, she, you know, she was going through a similar thing in her life where she was really discovering Jesus for the first time in her life. And it was just like God brought us both together at this moment in time to say, like, I, I'm doing something through each of you. I got a plan for you. Why don't you go together on this? And that that was radically transformative for me as we conclude today's episode of why god why we try to finish every episode uh, by bringing jesus squarely into uh the conversation and as our tool to kind of maybe have one final answer for our listeners as to today's topic uh why is christianity such a killjoy so what would we all say jesus uh what is his final word on that topic you know, um, the the story that Jesus tells, um, he tells a parable of Matthew. There's this man that um, he finds out that there's this great treasure in a field, and he sells everything he has and he buys it. And, uh, you know, I think about that for our lives. You know, I think about everything from dating to budgeting. You know, it's not necessarily that... Um, it's going to be easy. Um, it's not necessarily like the American dream that everything's going to come true, but you know, as, as Colleen has pointed to, as John has pointed to, it's the moment that you throw out what you think and you sell your possessions. It's not about what you've lost, but it's about what you've gained. And you can't measure that. Like I can't measure what my life would look like because God brought Robin into my life. Like I can't measure but I know that my life's totally different. I can't measure what my life looks like, even kind of giving up other dreams. You know, I wanted to be a basketball player. Like probably the most horrible thing would have been to get that dream because I know where, so I know that I'm where God wants me right now. And so I think about that. Is Christianity a killjoy? It's not. It's ultimately saying, you know, we want to, God wants to give you the Pacific Ocean. It just might not look like the way you think. I'll, I'll let you back clean up. Yeah, sure. I'll go. I'll go next because your, yours will probably be better than mine. You probably have better thoughts. But uh, I just am reminded of what Jesus says, like one of my favorite verses in the Bible really has become John 10, 10, which Jesus says, I've come to bring you life and have it to the full that you may have life and have it to the full. That's what he wants. And so if you're out there and you're you're questioning, you know, is following Jesus worth it? I would say, yeah. And I would say it's not the the idea of him being a killjoy. He actually wants to give you life and have that life to the full. And I've experienced parts of that. It doesn't mean my life has been perfect, but it certainly means when I'm I'm walking closer with him, I experience a joy that I can't explain any other way. So that's my take on it. Yeah, well, you know, no it's pressure. funny. No, 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 no I, pressure on the you know me. I never feel pressure because I'm the old lady at the table here, guys. So, so you know, here's the thing. When I saw the podcast that you invited me to, I cracked up. I'm like, Lord, really? What? 
um, why is Christianity a killjoy? And I thought to myself, that's an oxymoron, really. When you think about it, we're saying that follow the creator of joy and he wants to kill it. Like, it doesn't even make sense if you stop and think about it for a minute. But so I, I love that, you know, he'll give you life and uh, he wants us to live life and life abundant. And uh, I was thinking about John 20, where it's talking about all these miracles that Jesus has done. And it says, and there was even so many more than this, and we can't write them all down. But they were written here so that you would believe that he is the son of God and that you may be, by believing, have life in his name. And so to me, if you ask me now, how do I define joy? To me, joy is, yeah, it's fun. Of course it is. But it's being able to look at my heavenly father and say, is that good? Is that, was that useful to you? If there's only one person that's listening to this podcast right now that goes, I resonate with what she's talking about. I don't want to obey the rules. I don't want to do all, I just want to know Jesus a little bit more. What are they talking about? I just pray that you would just listen to that prompting of your heart and follow it because it's not about killing joy. He wants to bring joy and he like in a way only he can. What an awesome conversation today. And uh, that is Colleen Baker, owner of Cheesy Eddie's in the South Wedge of Rochester. You've got to check it out. Thank you for being part of the show. It's a um, shameless plug. <laughs> thank you to uh, our other fellow, my fellow hosts, uh, John Amayo and Peter Engler. This will conclude today's episode of Why God Why? Is Christianity Such a Killjoy? Hopefully we've inspired you and uh we're thought-provoking in answering that question. If you have any additional questions you would like Peter, John, or myself to address on the podcast, we would love to hear your comments on the show as well. Go to the whygodwhypodcast.com website to check it out. Thanks for listening and have a great day.